This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamec.com slash donate. Thank you for listening. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. This morning, beloved, as we reflect on this passage, I have titled this message, Under God's Authority. Mm. Under God's Authority. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, the time has come where you have called me to be your vessel, to stand behind the sacred desk, and to preach your word. Lord, I humbly submit under your authority. When I preach this word, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, let your people hear you and not me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, for you are my rock and my redeemer. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh on me. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a small town called Pleasantville. In Pleasantville, the local authority was a man by the name of Mayor Johnson, who everyone in the town called the mayor. The mayor was an interesting character. He always wore a suit, even when he was at home. And he had a habit of carrying a large black briefcase wherever he went. Nobody knew what was in that briefcase, but everyone assumed it was full of important documents and official papers. He was the epitome of authority in Pleasantville, and nobody dared question him. One summer day, the mayor was walking down the main street of Pleasantville when he heard a commotion. He saw a group of kids gathered around a man who was dressed up in a clown outfit, juggling and doing tricks to entertain the children. The mayor approached the group and demanded to see the clown's license to perform in public. The clown, who went by the name of Bubbles, didn't have a license, as he was just trying to spread a little joy and laughter in the world. The mayor was not pleased. He told Bubbles that he was breaking the law by performing in public without a license and that he would have to be fined. Bubbles didn't have any money to pay the fine, so the mayor came up with a solution. He told Bubbles that if he wanted to avoid getting fined, he would have to perform the same trick he was doing, but with a live chicken instead of his juggling balls. <laughs> Bubbles, being a good sport, 
accepted the challenge. The mayor left to fetch a chicken while Bubbles prepared himself to do this trick. When the mayor returned with the chicken, he handed it over to Bubbles with a smug grin on his face. Bubbles, feeling a little nervous, now that he had a live chicken in his hands, began to juggle the chicken as carefully as he could. Everything was going smoothly until the chicken got scared and started flapping its wings wildly. In a moment of pure chaos, the chicken took off into the air, flying out of Bubbles' grasp and soaring towards the sky. The children cheered and laughed as they watched the chicken fly higher and higher, and the mayor begrudgingly wrote the entire incident off as a public show. Word of the incident quickly spread throughout Pleasantville, and people started talking about the mayor's love of enforcing his authority. However, the story didn't end there. A few days later, the mayor was walking down the street again when he spotted a younger boy having a bit of fun. The boy was running around with a toy plane playing as if he was the pilot. The mayor approached the boy and asked him where his license to pilot the plane was. The boy, wearing a Superman t-shirt, looked up at the mayor and said with a grin, but I'm Superman, I don't need one. The mayor took a long look at the boy he had seen around town before, and for the first time in his life, in his life he laughed. He laughed a deeply belly laugh, and the boy joined in. From that day forward, the mayor lightened up a bit. He still enforced the rules, but began to see the humor in certain situations. He started to have a sense of humor about things and became much more approachable as a result. The townspeople of Pleasantville even recognized an annual juggling festival where bubbles and other performers could perform without fear of getting fined. And the mayor even attended, laughing with everyone else and enjoying the show. In the end, the mayor learned a valuable lesson. Authority is important, but sometimes it's okay to let loose and have a little fun. After all, life is too short to take everything so seriously. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the moral of this story is that while authority is an important aspect of society, it's important not to take it too seriously. A sense of humor and a willingness to see the lighter side of things can go a long way in building relationships with others and creating a more pleasant environment for everyone. Sometimes it's okay to let go of our rigid rules and regulations and have a little fun, especially when it brings joy to others. Ultimately, life is short, and we should enjoy it while we can. Well, this morning, I'd like to explain and give clarification about an authority that does not see the lighter side of things, definitely has a sense of humor depending on how you take it, does not let go of the authority that has been created, and this authority brings everlasting joy that no matter what troubles, trials, and tribulations come our way. The book of Job is an unusual book in the fact that we see God in an open dialogue with Satan concerning Job as a person of tremendous faith. You see, Job was an upright man. He was a blameless man. He was a religious man a citizen of the land of Oz, a man who feared God, a man who turned away from evil, a holy man of the Bible, an honored patriot, was a husband, a father of 10 children, 
seven boys, three girls. Having that many children during that time was a symbol of God's blessing, and he was a wealthy man. His material wealth was beyond that of anyone around him. By all accounts, beloved, Job was a man of integrity. Job was the same in and out of the church. Job took God seriously and lived his life to honor him. Job was also a pious man. <laughs> he was striving to be all that God wanted him to be. And he wanted to be the one that everybody knew that he reverenced God. And as I read earlier at the end of verse 3, Job was known as the greatest man of all the people of the East. By greatest, it means that Job had a weighty reputation and all these things. Why did Job encounter so much trouble and suffering? And I will get to what he endured in a moment. In verse 6 of chapter 1, we see that the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan, and Satan also came along with them. So let me set the stage for you. God is about to have some sort of a conference with a group of angels. They are called the sons of God. And the accuser, the adversary, Satan, also showed up. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, rest assured that everywhere the children of God are, the devil is somewhere close around. Well, well. As the Apostle Paul put it this way, every time I do good, evil is forever present. Yes. So on this occasion, God confronted Satan and asked him in verse 7, from where have you come? Satan answered him and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking up and down. Here we clearly see Satan's response is what Peter warned us about in 1 Peter 5.8. Peter said, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Yes. And we know this to be true based on God's response to Satan. In verse 8, and the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, who fears God and turns away from evil. Here we see that God was bragging on Job. Mm -hmm. Can God brag on y'all? Well, I'm going to leave that. That's between you and God. <laughs> and he tells him that he's bragging on, on, on Job, and, and he sees Job's devotion to him to the point where God tells Satan, since you're going around trying to see who you can overtake, have you even thought about my servant, Job. And Satan's response is this. Does Job fear God for no reason? Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. What Satan is saying to God is that I know about his devotion to you, but clearly Job is only devoted to you, God, because of all that you have blessed him with prestige, livestock, title, family, etc. Satan was here telling Almighty God that the only reason Job was righteous towards God was because of all God has blessed him with. And that's not all that Satan had to say. In verse 11, he tells God, but stretch your hand out and touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. In other words, take everything away from him, and he will curse you. Satan is challenging God. Yeah. 
Can you imagine? And God responds by saying, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch your hand. So Satan out, went out from the presence of the Lord. God literally told Satan, well, if that's what you think, the challenge is on. Go ahead. I give you power over all that Job has, but don't take him out. Do not kill him. Satan wanted to show that Job was a spiritual fake. Then Satan left the presence of God. You know, if I read this, I, I really did have a problem with this dialogue between God and Satan. Not to mention, I felt bad for Job because he was just being used as collateral damage. Job suffered due to a discussion that took place. I really had to sit in it, the text, and just begin to ask questions. And I had one question in particular to God. Why are you even having a conversation with Satan? After all that he has done, why would you even allow Satan in your presence? This is the same Satan who wanted to be God and run his own show. Satan was tired of worshiping you, God. Satan's pride was what fell him from grace. Ezekiel put it this way. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. And once again, why would God even allow him in his sight? Well, the more I grappled with God and with this question, I got an answer. Mm -hmm. Take a minute. And God said three simple words. Because I can. I was like, what? What do you mean, because I can? Because you can. Then I had the aha moment, brothers and sisters. God is God Almighty all by himself. God can do whatever, however, with whomever God chooses. God is the authority, and we are all under it, even Satan. You might be asking, Rev, how do you know this? And what does it mean to be under God's authority? Well, I'm glad you asked. Which brings me to my first point. Being under God's authority means God is the ultimate authority and source of truth. You see, if you go back and think about how that dialogue began, do you realize something? God initiated the conversation with Satan. God is the one who suggested Job to Satan. God granted permission to Satan to afflict Job with restrictions. Satan has no power over us. God maintained authority over Satan by letting Satan know what he can and cannot do. Romans 13.1 says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. This verse emphasizes that the importance of submitting to earthly authorities, recognizing that they derive their authority from God. Furthermore, Deuteronomy 10.17 says, For the Lord God is the God of gods, little g, and the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God, who does not show partiality nor take a bribe. God was not going to bargain with Satan. Mm -hmm. But because Satan, because of his pride, thought he knew it all, he's like, all right, you know what? I'm going to show you. Take everything from him, from Job, and guess what's going to happen? He's going to turn around and curse you. Well, this brings me to my second point. 
Being under God's authority means that God possesses a more profound understanding of ourselves than we do. Simply stated, God knows us better than we know ourselves. See, Job suffered much just within chapter 1. See, he lost his livestock. He lost his servants. He lost all 10 of his children. This was the beginning of his troubles. God knew Job would not turn and curse him as Satan stated. Satan is not omniscient like God. Let me ask you a question. Do you think if Satan really knew that Job would not turn from God, that he would even test God? Think about that. But the difference is the one that has all authority knew that Job would not turn and curse him. That's what he was like, go ahead. But what's funny is Satan needed God's permission to even go after Job. That is what it is to be under the authority of God. Satan cannot see our minds. I want you to hear me, church. Satan cannot see our minds. But the minute you vocalize something, Satan is going to come right after you. But it is up to you to know how to combat him and his forces. Amen? Amen. Satan cannot foretell the future. But God can. God has that power, not Satan. Well. And then why do we give Satan so much power in our lives? Say it, say it. Why? Psalms 139, verses 1 through 4. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my laying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh, Lord, you know it all together. God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knew with all the troubles that Job was going to suffer, that Job was going to keep his faith in God. Yeah. Beloved, one thing I need you to understand is that trouble is going to come. Yeah. It's yeah. nothing new. Suffering, it's going to come. It is part of humanity. And trouble comes towards the rich, the poor, the ups, the downs, the young, the old, and everybody in between. Suffering is part of humanity. And we see that when you look at the story of Job. How long ago that was? What's that? There was nothing new under the sun. The question is, how do you deal with it when it comes? Mm. How do you deal with it when it comes your way? Do you deal with it the way Job dealt with it? And the, and, and the biggest question is, can you trust God in the midst of evil and trouble? Mm. God knew that Job would trust him in the midst of his suffering. Which brings me to my last point. Under God's authority, we need to rest in God's power. Brothers and sisters, this is where we find peace, security, Comfort in the understanding that God is all-powerful and capable of handling any situation or challenge we may face. It is an act of faith that acknowledges that God's power is greater than our own and that God is capable of working things together for our good 
even when circumstances seem overwhelming or impossible. Job lost his livestock, his servants, his children, his wife. He endured hell challenges. Even the councilman in the town was saying to Job, what kind of sin did you commit for all this suffering to come your way and all this pain? But even in that, in spite of that, Job rested in God's power. See, in, 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 um, in the very last chapter, in chapter 42, it tells us that. Now, understand this. There's 42 chapters in the book of Job. If you've never read it, you need to read it. Chapter 1, Satan began to test Job. In that chapter, he lost his livestock, servants, and his children. But it's also said in the end of that chapter, Job said, naked I came into this world. Naked I will leave. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Still, I praise him. How many of us could, could, could say that? Still, I praise him. And this is only in chapter 1. He endured so much. There's 42 chapters in the book of Job. And even better, guess what? God doesn't show up to chapter 38. God does not show up to chapter 38. And in chapter 42, it says, Job repented and acknowledged that God can do anything and that God controls everything. And the reason Job had repented is because in previous chapters, he was complaining and expressing his frustrations to God about his sufferings. And in turn, God began to ask him questions, reminding him about the vastness of his creation. Mm. Now, let's, if we all can be honest, I don't know if I would have waited until chapter 38 to complain about my sufferings. <laughs> let's all be honest. Probably after the first, my, everything's gone, then, you know, then your servants, all the servants that you had are gone. But all 10 of your children mm. are gone. But you still praise him and do not look at God for any of the wrongdoing. Mm. What a faith. What a faith. Yeah. No wonder God bragged on him so much. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden, mm. and I will give you rest. Yeah. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brothers and sisters, in, in chapter 42, the way the narrative started is not the way it ended. Yeah. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. It didn't say that it wouldn't form, but it said it wouldn't prosper because we are under the authority of Almighty God. And the whole aspect of Satan testing Job is to show us what it is to keep the faith. If you truly believe that you believe that who God is and who he says he is, you've got to be able to endure suffering and know, and know that God was using Job's suffering to teach us a lesson. Mm -hmm. Hang on.
one to his unchanging hand. Because yeah. he is the one that has the whole world in his hands. Yeah. In closing, brothers and sisters, let us be reminded that Satan has no power None. over us. None. As the children of a living God, we are all under God's authority. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. So let us remember, under the authority of God, God is the ultimate authority and source of our strength. Amen. God knows us better than we know ourselves. Yes, he does. So let us rest, rest. in God's power. Amen.